chapter number 3 this evening. I want to begin reading in verse number 1 a peculiar story from the life of Moses. Exodus chapter number 3 beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Our Lord, as I preach tonight, I pray that your Holy Spirit would accomplish your divine work. Lord, I pray tonight that you would move in the hearts of young and old alike. I pray, Lord, for the heart that's farthest from you this evening, that the Holy Spirit would capture their attention. Lord, I pray for that one here this evening that is in a dry, parched land spiritually. Lord, that tonight you would heap refreshment upon them as they obey you. And Father, I pray that what Moses experienced many years ago, that Lord, it would touch our lives tonight. And that you would help us too to find holy ground. And we ask for your help tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, perhaps one of the most overused words that I hear today is the word holy. Now, you might find that odd to believe. But we live in a day of holy smokes, holy mackerel, holy cow. And holy moly. Now I'll admit these words aren't necessarily common in my vocabulary, but when the world hears the word holy, in large part that is what they think. It's more a word of exclamation rather than adoration. 
But can I tell you that the same disregard for the word holy that is in our society, I believe, has crept into our churches. I believe the word has lost its meaning. When we say tonight something is holy, what do we mean? You know, the word holy has the idea of being dedicated or consecrated to God. It's the idea of being separated to God. And the Bible tells us in Peter that we are to be holy as God is holy. And I propose to you tonight that in the mouth of the Christian, the word holy ought not be a word of exclamation. But it ought to be a word of consecration. And a word that drives all of us on our faces before God. And now we come to a particular instance in the life of Moses. I'm going to tell you, if anybody lived a full life, it was Moses. I hear people sometimes, they say, the Bible is such a boring book. The reason they say it is because they've never read it. Even in the life of Moses alone, can I remind you how he came into this world? Pharaoh had put out a decree that all the male children were going to be killed and Moses, his mom and dad, they decided that they were going to defy Pharaoh and his edict. And believe it or not, after Moses was born, after a season, they put him in a basket and put him out on the river. You talk about excitement. And then in the providence of God, Moses ends up Of all places, Pharaoh's daughter's house. I'm talking about the man who said kill all the babies. It was his daughter where Moses winds up. Now we look at that and we're like, oh man, alive. That's bad. But you know, sometimes what we think is bad, God says, no, that's good. That was exactly where Moses needed to be. And she took Moses in as her own and... She raised Moses in the lap of luxury. Can you imagine Moses having everything that he wanted, having the best education, having the best food, having the best tutors, you name it, Moses had it, the best servants. But there came a day when Moses had to make a decision as to whether or not he was going to identify with Israel or identify with Egypt. And when he made the decision to identify with Israel, it cost him everything. It cost him that nice food. It cost him those servants. It cost him a life of ease. And guess where he moved to? He moved to the desert. People tell me that this area has grown up uh, a whole lot through the years. But you know, if you go out west and you go into the middle of nowhere, you'll find there's just nothing there. I remember going to North Dakota for the first time. I thought I lived in the sticks in North Carolina. When I got to North Dakota and you're sitting in an intersection and there are yield signs and not stop signs because you can see miles away and anybody hardly... I said, this is in the middle of Stickville. I always wondered where the boonies were at. Well, I found them in North Dakota. And I remember, I mean, it was just desolate. Do you understand Moses moved from a place like this to the middle of nowhere and now Moses is in the wilderness. And yet, do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that it was while he was in this wilderness that God spoke to him in a powerful way and he changed his life. 
What God is about to tell Moses in a desert is going to change the entire course of his life. And do you know why I'm excited you're here tonight? Let me tell you why I'm excited you're here. Because if you will push out the world and you'll keep your ears open and you'll listen to God tonight, do you know what? It may change the course of your life tonight. I believe that every time that we sit in an auditorium and we hear the Bible preach, listen, that is an opportunity and that may provide the very moment that God gives you guidance and delivers you to the purpose of your life, delivers you to the next future step. You know, some people say, you just get all tore up when we go to sleep in church. Well, I do, but I'm going to tell you why. I don't take it personal anymore. I used to. Somebody falls asleep in church, you wear your feelings on your shirt sleeves and you just sort of go home with your tail between your legs. I don't take it personally anymore, but the thing that alarms me the most is that when the word of God's being preached and you shut God out, you may miss the best thing ahead in your life. But I want to tell you what changed Moses' life tonight and it's something that I want to challenge each one of us here this evening. What changed the life of Moses was this is that Moses found holy ground. Now I understand it was a miracle. There was a burning bush. But nonetheless, that experience that Moses had was holy ground and it changed his life. Now I want to ask you a question. I want you to evaluate your own Christianity tonight. We're really good at evaluating everybody else's, aren't we? I'll tell you, that girl, she has a problem. That guy, I'm not really worried about you looking at everybody else. But I want to ask yourself, when's the last time, and I know I'm dealing with the area of experience this evening, and I don't live by experience, but I'm going to tell you something, that there are times in the life of the Christian where God reaches down and He touches your soul in a way that you never forget it. Even if you're the most emotionless person in here, I do. I believe there are times that God so powerfully works in your heart and the Holy Spirit grabs your heart in conviction that there are days that you'll never forget. When's the last time you personally have been on holy ground? When is the last time God dealt very powerfully with you through His Word? And you had no other choice but to just separate yourself before God and bow your heart before Him. When Moses found holy ground, it changed his life. And you know what? Every teenager, every mom, every dad, every grandparent here this evening, if you'll find holy ground, I promise you that God will do the same in your life. And so I want to begin by first of all pointing out this idea of remembrance. I want you to see that here Moses is going to casually see something and he's going to stop and he's going to think about it. In verse number 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. I think Moses would have made a good Baptist. You know why? Because he was curious. You know, Baptists are curious people. Uh, some of you tonight, you're looking at me cold and stiff. I know better. You can put your halos down. You're curious too. 
Moses, as he's walking through, he sees this bush that's on fire, but it is miraculous here. It is burning, but it's not consumed. And Moses did the best thing he could and that he stopped. And in verse 3, he said, I will now turn aside and see this great side, uh, great sight why the bush is not burnt. Do you know what I find is perhaps the biggest obstacle to listening to God? It's stopping in your tracks and paying attention to it. So often God wants to do a work in our hearts and we're too busy with our own cares. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever come to church with a worried heart? I have. Have you ever come to church with a burden? Oh, I have. Have you ever come to a church service and it's been hard? Listen, this is a shame for me to admit, but even as a preacher, there have been instances in my life where I've come to the house of God and it's been hard for me to focus on what God is trying to say. And I find that half the battle is just stopping and taking the time long enough to realize, you know what, God wants to do something here. I think I'm going to stop and I'm going to take a look at it. And boy, doesn't God get the attention of Moses in a peculiar way. A burning bush, this is a miracle. But you know, when I think in the Bible about how God revealed Himself to the nation of Israel, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21 that God led them by a cloud. You want to talk about the supernatural. People are like, I wish the Lord would lead me. Well, the Lord did. He led them with a cloud. He also led them by fire, a cloudy pillar and a pillar of fire by night. Job chapter 38 and verse number 1. God speaks as a whirlwind. You know, the things that are super, super to us, the things that are, that are like miraculous. You know, when I look at a cloud, I see these big things floating through the air. I'm going to tell you, it's no fun flying through them sometimes when the turbulence comes. They may look like cotton and they may look beautiful, but boy, sometimes you drop that plane through there and it's like... You're like, how does that big old cloud, how does that thing float through the sky? I'm not really sure. I'm not a scientist, but I know that God led the nation of Israel with a cloud, with fire, and He spoke, as it were, like a whirlwind in Job 38 verse 1. It just goes to show that I believe God knows how to get your attention and mine. And can I tell you, if you're ever going to listen to God, you have to push away your cares. You have to push away your worries, those things that may upset you, and give God your undivided attention because I promise you, when you do listen to me, it can change your life. Moses, how did you find holy ground? Moses would say, well, it was a place of remembrance. I see this miracle and I stopped in my tracks and I made my way towards it. He had enough sense to know that God was wanting to do something and he respected that. But if you're going to find holy ground tonight, it's not only a place of remembrance. But I want you to see, and this is very important, it's a place of revelation. Notice with me in verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. Now it's one thing to see a bush that's burning with fire and it's not being consumed. 
It's another thing when that bush starts talking to you. You know, there's quite a few miracles taking place here. (laughs) Well, I'd love to just take a little speaker and shove it in a chair and when somebody sits down, just say, don't sit on me. See somebody take off like a shot saying, I don't know about that church, but that's weird. Walk to an empty room and all of a sudden the couch say, hey, you. But here Moses, he sees this bush, he stops, and then he hears his name. Moses. Moses. And you know what Moses did? Believe this or not, Moses talked back to the bush. He responded to it. I remember years ago when I moved into the small town that I live in, I was a foreigner even though I was from North Carolina. I remember walking into a store and I looked at the men and I nodded my head to them and I said, hey, how are you? And they didn't say a word. I sort of sat there for a little bit and as I was drinking my drink, all the older people that were in there, they walked out and I looked at the proprietor of the store and I said, what's their problem? I said, when I was a kid, my mom and dad told me that when somebody talked to you, you ought to talk back to them. You ought to say, acknowledge them at least. She looked at me and she said, oh, don't worry, they'll get used to you in a little while and then they'll talk your head off and she was right. But I guess Moses was really doing what was to be expected. If somebody talks to you, you ought to acknowledge them. And he hears this voice that says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Moses acknowledges it. But I want you to know the greatest miracle is not a burning bush. Can I tell you, it's a great miracle when you think about the fact that God wants to talk to you personally. God called Moses by name. He knew who Moses was. And can I remind you, God knows who you are tonight. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your insufficiencies. He knows where your strengths are at, your weaknesses may be. But listen, God knows you better than you know yourself. And the God of heaven took the time of all the people that are on this planet to address one man. He says, Moses, Moses. And that's revelation. When God reveals himself to us. Now, let me ask you a question that may throw you off the trail for just a moment. Has has God ever said your name? You ever sat there and Just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you hear your name called twice. One of the summers that I was traveling with a college team from Ambassador, we were in different churches every night for eight weeks, and I was with one of my best friends in the ministry today. We were paired together in a home, and it was exceptional. That night, we each had our own room. Usually, we were sleeping in the same room, same bed. We each had our own room that night, and as we were heading off to bed, my friend looked at me, and he said, well... He said, I think I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to take a shower first. And I said, well, I think I'm going to go to bed. And I'll take one in the morning. Well, he went into the bathroom. And when I went into my room, the thought hit me. And I thought, you know what I ought to do? I ought to go in his room and just get in the closet. 
And so I turned off my light and I shut my door and I went into his room and I got in the closet. One of those where the slats point downward. And I just waited. He came into his room. He was whistling a little bit and his Bible was on the nightstand. I'll never forget it. He was laying there. He was reading his Bible. I'm just, just sitting there in the closet and after he reads his Bible that night, he puts it on the, bed, the nightstand and he turns the light off and he rolls over into the middle of the bed. It's Dwight Smith, by the way, for the slusters. They know who I'm talking about. Brother Smith rolls into the middle of the bed and about the time he turned the light off, I waited five seconds and all of a sudden I just went. And when I did that, I'm going to tell you, that boy was flailing, knocking over lamps. He was trying everything that he could to get back to that nightstand to turn that light back on. It's just not a common thing when something happens and you're not expecting it. And yet in the middle of this wilderness, God calls Moses by name. Now I'm going to tell you, God has never called my name twice like that. God has never said out and out. I've never heard His voice. And some of you are like, well then how do you know God's real? Well, you know what? I've never seen China, but I know it's real. I mean, even in a human side of things, it's amazing faith that man you know, gives and things that he's never seen this side of eternity. So it ought not be shocking when we've never seen God, yet we see His creation, we see His work. So listen, it, it's easy to understand how somebody could believe in God. You see his fingerprint everywhere. God has never called me by name, but here's the thing that I want to impress upon you tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, when I read this Bible, it's a personal book. While I have never read my name in the Bible, there's times I've read the Bible and I knew it was specifically for me. as I preached on Sunday morning, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Listen, I knew that because of that, God was speaking to me. He loved me so much He gave His Son Jesus to die. And there's not a thing you can say to convince me otherwise. And if you'd listen tonight, you'd see God saying the same thing to you. You may come tonight and your heart is very burdened down with care. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Casting all of your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You know who that was written to? Some of you are like, well, Peter wrote that to the church. Hey, can we just cut through all that for a moment? In the realest sense, you know what? God wrote that for you. Christian, let me ask you, when's the last time you came away from the Bible and you were so helped and you were like, God gave that to me? That's holy ground. When you experience God's personal revelation, when you come away from the Bible and you're like, wow, that helped me. Uh, you know, we, we Southerners, uh, one of the things that we like to do, I know the human race likes to eat, but we Southerners pretend to really like it, especially all things fried. You know, I've told people, if you can fry it, I can eat it, you know. Have you ever eaten something before and it was so good you pushed away from the table and you said, man, I'm going to tell you what, that was good. And maybe in the car or maybe at home you looked over to your spouse or your children and you say, did you have a piece of that? 
And they look at you and say, oh, yeah, it was good. You're like, man, it's the best I've ever had. You ever had those moments? Some of you are like, I have those moments all the time. Jeremiah said this, he said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Let me ask you a question, Christian. When's the last time you pushed away from the table of the Bible and you said, boy, that's good? Now, I'm going to tell you, in my own Bible reading, I wish I could tell you every day I read the Bible, it's a home run. But I can't. For those of you, I know we're in base baseball playoffs now, so maybe pardon the illusion here, but you know, there are some times when I read the Bible, I'm just blown away, and I come, I'm like, oh, oh, oh wow, and it was a home run. You know, there's sometimes I come away from the Bible, and it's like a triple. I mean, I hit it to the wall. I mean, it's just like, man, that really put a spring in my step today. You know, there's some days it's like, you know what, I got to second base, and there's just some days it's like a single. It's like an infield bunt. Sometimes it's like God, when He works through His Word in my heart, sometimes it's like a shout. Listen to me, sometimes it's like a whisper. But every Christian ought to have those moments where God very definitively and very pointedly works in your life where there's no mistaking this message is for you. That's holy ground. But there's some of you tonight, the reason you've never really had that kind of experience in your life is because you don't stop long enough to let God speak. And there may be some of you tonight, you've rejoiced in everything else, but it's been a long time since you've pulled up your chair to the table of God's Word and you came away saying, hey, that is for me. Holy ground is a place of revelation. I want to ask you, when's the last time, Christian, you read this book and you said, this has been very good for me? It's a place of remembrance. Holy ground is a place of revelation. But I want you to see as well that holy ground is a place of reverence. After Moses hears his name called out of this bush, verse 5, And he, speaking of God, said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I mean, to be honest, they're in the middle of a desert. All there is is a lot of dust and dirt. It's a dirty place. But nonetheless, God told Moses, He said, I want you to take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. You know what I'm convinced? I'm convinced that Moses would have never been able to take the next step in following God had he, had not, had he not had enough sense to take off his shoes and respect God's holiness. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's so much noise in this life that keeps us from really hearing the Lord. And you know, God's revelation is never going to have a great impact on us until we take off our shoes, so to speak, and realize that we're on holy ground. We reverence Him and we respond to that revelation. You know, there's a reason I believe you ought to be quiet in church, and it's not just to hear the preacher, but it's to hear God. 
to hear God speaking to you through His Word. It's not just the stories of a preacher. We say you ought to sit up straight in church and you ought to not be on your phones in church. Why? Listen, it's a place of reverence. Why? It's a place of respect. When you hear the Word of God preached, I'm convinced that one of the reasons that people can't hear the Lord today is because they don't respect Him and, in their, and they don't respect that He is holy and that He is just and they don't believe that they ought to be holy and therefore they don't give God the time of day. You know the word holy, that's not a bad word, that's a good word. But the, word despi- the world despises things that are holy. You show me a person who lives a separated life and I'll show you a person that the world laughs at. You show me a person who says, I believe that this book is the word of God and I'll show you a person who's scorned by the world. There's a so-called Christian college that's near us. It's about five minutes away. It's called Gardner-Webb University. I had a friend of mine from an area church. He's got one of his kids who's at that taking a liberal arts studies program and the girl in his church called him terrified by what she experienced the first day of school. Here this was in a quote-unquote Christian liberal arts school. Now only God knows what happens in the public universities. But in a Christian liberal arts school on the first day of class, the professor raised his Bible and he said, I'm here to tell you today that half of what's in this book's not true. The girl called her pastor beside of herself and said, I was not expecting that. You know, the world takes people that believe this book is from God and they try to eat them alive. There's no reverence for God in society anymore, but there ought to be reverence for God in our churches and by the people in our churches. God is holy. And we ought to be holy as He is holy. Moses would have never heard God's life-changing message had he not respected the holiness of God. In the book of Ezekiel, the nation of Israel is very hard-hearted. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in Ezekiel 22, they put no difference between the holy and the profane. They were taught the customs of the priests. They were taught all of those ceremonies, and yet they just did whatever they wanted. They did it however they wanted. They failed to observe things in a holy manner. They put no difference between the holy and the profane. And that's a lot of what's happening in churches today. Listen to me. When you take the devil's music and you try to put good words to it, all you're doing is mixing the holy and the profane. When you take some element of the world and you try to shake it together with Christianity to make it more devourable, by, by make, it, make it more consumable, Listen, all you're doing is taking the holy and making it dirty. You know, if I came in tonight and I gave you a glass of cold water, I said, here, I want you to drink it. That's one thing, but if I took a glass of cold water and I took a dirt clod about the size of a dime and I dropped it in there and I said, drink it, you'd look at me and say, I'm not drinking that. And what if I reasoned with you and said, listen, 90% of what's in that glass is good. You'd look at me and say, you're absolutely crazy. I'm not drinking it. Because you know what? When you take something that's holy and you pervert it, you corrupt it, it's no longer holy. You know that. 
I wonder if there's some of us here tonight, listen, the reason God's not getting a hold of our hearts is because we're not stopping in our tracks, recognizing that we're on holy ground and saying, all right, Lord, I'm I'm going to listen to you instead of listening to the world. You know what, you've got 66 books in that Bible, but if you don't reverence it and you don't take the time to fear God and to fear His commandments, you're going to miss what God has for you. How do you find holy ground tonight? You find holy ground when you stop and you recognize the holiness of God and you give Him your undivided attention. And if there's ever a need for us to experience Holy ground, it's tonight. Holy ground is a place of remembrance. Holy ground is a place of revelation. Holy ground is a place of reverence. But the last thing I want you to see is that holy ground is a place of redirection. How does a man go from the wilderness, the desert to Pharaoh's palace. Boy, I'll tell you, when I get to heaven, I'd love to say, Lord, there's a lot of things I'd like to see firsthand. And one of them I'd love to see is an old tattered shepherd in the middle of a wilderness go marching into Pharaoh's palace. I remember one time I got into a real highfalutin area of town where the country club was at and just because of my raisin, I felt like I was out of place, you know. It's like, man, we eat Vienna sausages and Spam, and here we are in the country club. They, they, they don't even consider those hors d'oeuvres, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine here this filthy shepherd, which, by the way, Egyptians hated shepherds. Egyptians said, that's a sorry job. And here this shepherd walks into Pharaoh's palace and of all things he looks at Pharaoh and he says, Hey, now I don't know if he said it that way or not. But when he looked at him and he said, God, Jehovah said, let my people go. Whether he shouted it or whether he whispered it, it made Pharaoh mad. And do you know before it's over with, Moses would march out with over two million Israelites away from perhaps the most powerful empire of its day and cross a Red Sea and deliver an entire nation. You know how that happened? Some of you said, yeah, Moses got a lot of good training, didn't he? Moses went to school. and Moses had talent and charisma. He knew how to win friends and to influence people. Hey, do you know how Moses found that direction for his life? I'm going to tell you how it happened. It happened a few months prior or a few days prior when he's a nobody in the middle of the wilderness and he recognizes that God's talking to him and he stops to listen what God has to say and he obeys it. I know that's not complex. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I remember every day when I'd go to school as a kid, my mom would tell me the same thing every day. She'd say, honey, listen and follow directions. Every day she told me that. Listen and follow directions. 
I'm going to tell you, that was a simple directive, but that was the truth. It kept me out of a lot of trouble. You want to know how to find the next step in your life? Do you want to see your future more clearly? I'll tell you what you do. You get the world out of your ears and you get into God's revelation and have enough sense to know that when God is speaking to you, stop and listen and then do what He says. My daughter just went with her friends to the Cleveland County Fair. It's our local fair and it's first year after COVID that we've been able to have it and my daughter discovered the rides and uh, she likes those rides. I liked those rides when I was her age. I don't like those rides anymore. And the reason I don't like those rides are because they don't like me. I don't like the way they make me feel. Not so much during the ride but after the ride but you know my daughter came home that night she was so excited she said dad that was so fun that was exciting that was a kind of excitement that costs a lot of money too you know but I'm going to tell you what after I got saved at the age of 12 Surrendered my life to the Lord at the age of 15. God called me to preach the gospel when I was 17. Can I tell you, I can look back in my life and I can see distinct places that I would call holy ground. And I'll never forget them. I'll never forget the holy ground after I went to church on a Sunday morning and I left under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That day I learned that although you may leave church, that doesn't mean God leaves you. I was so eager to get away from that church because I was under conviction and I got home and I found that the same Holy Spirit that was telling me I needed to be saved in a church service followed me all the way home and told me the same thing even louder. And with the help of a gospel tract from my home church, I took it out and I read this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that day I did exactly what that verse said and I lifted my head that afternoon knowing that I was a child of God. Why? Because I had trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's holy ground I'll never forget. I remember as a 15-year-old teenager, I was running from God. I was in public junior high. I had my peer group that was influencing me. I'd go to church on Sunday, and I'd be around people and act a certain way, and then I'd go to school and sometimes act like a heathen through the week. The only problem is, is while I was acting like a heathen, all along there was somebody in me saying, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You say, did he say it like that? You know, I'm just going to tell you, the Holy Spirit's conviction just makes you feel miserable sometimes. And finally, after my 15th year of life, there were several things that happened. My dad passed away in October of that year. I had several other things happen in the summer before I turned 16 years old. I was in, I was in a particular meeting and God brought me to a point where it's like, Bill, are you going to just do your own thing? Are you going to follow me? And I'm going to tell you what, that night through the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, God got a hold of my heart and that was holy ground. 
when I was 17 years old, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I had no clue what it was. At that point in life, God, if you want me to be a plumber, now that I've done plumbing, I don't want to be a plumber. But at that time, I said, Lord, if you want me to be a plumber, I'll be a plumber. Lord, if you want me to work in a factory, I don't care. I said, God, I just want what you want. When I was 17 years old, God put it in my heart, and he showed me very clearly that he wanted me to preach the gospel. I said, all right, Lord, that Wednesday morning is holy ground that I'll never forget. I remember my freshman year of college, I was laying in my bed and I wasn't right with God. And the Holy Spirit worked in my heart in a very powerful way that afternoon. I read Psalm 51, David's Psalm of Repentance. God broke my heart. And I said, Lord, all right. I'm not right. Lord, please forgive me for this. And that, you know what that was for me? Even though it was painful, you know what it was? It was holy ground. I know every day may not be a burning bush for you. But when's the last time you've been on holy ground and God has really dealt in your heart and it was personally for you and you had no doubt about it? You know what made uh, Moses' experience memorable? Some of you say, well, it was the burning bush. No, it wasn't. Some of you would say, well, it was the location. It was in the middle of the wilderness. It certainly wasn't the the location that made it memorable. There were no mountains. There were no valleys. There were no oceanfront properties. I mean, there's nothing spectacular about the location. What is it that made it a special place? You know, if I mentioned several addresses tonight, they'd be very recognizable to most of you. You know, if I remember, if I told you 221B Baker Street, for some of you that are avid readers, you'd say, oh, that's Sherlock Holmes' quarters. In light of recent events in the world, I said, Buckingham Palace. Some of you would say, oh, that's the queen. If I mentioned tonight 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you'd say that's where the president lives. Do you know why all of those addresses have significance tonight? It's not so much the houses or the castles or the mansions that are built on them as much as this, who's there. You know why this burning bush experience was so important? It's because God was there. God was the one who was speaking. And I want to challenge you tonight to open your ears to the Word of God. Be in it every day. And when God deals in your heart and you know know He's working, take off your shoes and remember that you're on holy ground. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Tonight in the course of the message I mentioned that God's word is personal and one of those areas in which it's personal is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whether you realize it or not, your name is in the Bible. It's in that one word, world. Have you ever recognized in your life that salvation is for you? 
Have you ever recognized in your life that Jesus dying on the cross was for you? Have you ever come to the grips that not only are all men sinners, but you are a sinner? Has God ever personally dealt in your life in such a way that you've come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? No, He didn't call you by name, but yet I'm telling you He was speaking personally to you through His Word, wanting you to believe, wanting you to call on His name. How many of us here tonight would say this? You'd say, Alton, there was a time in my life when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I know, I know that as I sit here tonight, I'm a child of God, not because I've been baptized or not because I do good things, but I saw that God personally give, gave me an invitation in the Bible to be saved. I saw that Jesus died for me. I saw that I was a sinner. I saw that I was in need of the Lord and that God did His work in giving Jesus on the cross. And for me, it was to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And you'd say tonight, Alton, I know that I'm a Christian because I have trusted Christ as my Savior and I embraced that personal invitation that was given to me and I've come to know Christ as my Savior. There's no doubt about that tonight. If you can say that, would you slip your hand up and keep it up just a moment? I'm the only one looking around. All right, thank you. You may put them down. I wonder if there'd be some of us here tonight and you would say, you know, Alton, I would have to be candid and admit that it's been a while since, it's been a good while since I've been on holy ground. I may be speaking to some here this evening, your heart has just not been right and you know it. You've not taken the time to just stop and listen to what God's trying to tell you and tonight God's trying to get your attention. I may be speaking to somebody else. You're here tonight and you know that when you give God the time of day that perhaps He's going to tell you something through His Word that could change your life more than you could ever imagine. You know that you're just fighting against it. I may be talking to some here tonight and the reason you've not been on holy ground is because you've been so filled with the world. I don't know your reason tonight. I don't know why, but I wonder. If there'd be Christians here tonight, you'd say, Brother Beal, God's spoken to my heart. He's dealing with my heart about being on holy ground and for whatever reason known to you and the Lord this evening. You'd say, tonight, I know that I need to deal with the Lord about some things in my life. It's been a long while since I've really been to that point of holy ground. And tonight, God is dealing in my heart as a Christian. You'd say, Brother Bill, would you pray for me tonight? If that's you, would you slip your hand up tonight? Are there folks that are like that? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand as well. Can I tell you there have been times in my life when my heart had gotten cold and I needed to open my ears again. My friend, if you're here tonight and you're in that category, listen, I don't look down on you, but I come alongside you and I say, I know what you mean. I want to encourage you to draw close to God tonight. Open your ears and listen to Him. If you're able, would you join me in standing? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you?